Greetings, everyone, and welcome to another edition of Marketing the Invisible. My name is Tom Poland, beaming out to you from Little Castaways Beach in Queensland, Australia. Joined today by Peter Winnick. Peter, g'day, sir. Very warm welcome. Where are you hanging out? I am in New York. New York City, slightly bigger than Castaways Beach, where we have 200 residents. <laughs> A little bit. Better. A little bit more interesting, too, probably. So for those of you who don't know Peter, he's the founder and CEO of Thought Leadership Leverage. And we've we've worked together, and I was really, really impressed with Peter's strategic perspective on leadership, products, marketplaces, and more. For the last 20-plus years, he's helped organizations and individuals build and grow revenue streams, plural, through designing and growing their own thought leadership platforms, as well as acting as a guide and advisor for increasing business-to-business sales of thought leadership products, which you probably have if you're listening to this podcast because it's marketing the invisible. So Peter, thanks for joining us on the show. The title is How to Become a Thought Leader, and Peter's going to show us how to do that in less than seven minutes. Woo! <laughs> so let's get going, Peter. Question number one, our time starts now. Question number one, who is your ideal client? So we have several sort of client avatars, as I think everybody should have. So it's an author, it's a speaker, it's a thought leader, it's an academic, it's a consultant or a small consultancy, and potentially some CEOs, as, as well as we've now moved into the organizational space. Yes, that's very interesting. Well. Tell us quickly about organizational thought leadership as distinct from individual thought leadership. Yeah, so the, the quick difference is on the individual side, the thought leadership is the product. I'm an author, I write a book, I get paid to speak, to do things, to teach, etc., on the organizational side, they're not looking for the direct monetization of the intellectual property of the thought leadership. They're using the thought leadership to build the brand, to show the world they have a perspective or a framework or a model. So they, they want to, in essence, give the thought leadership away so that when their clients are in the market for their services, they go, ah, yeah, that guy Tom is pretty smart, or that company Accenture, they're pretty good at what they do. I've been reading a lot of their stuff, following it, et cetera. Right. See, see, folks, this is quite interesting because what you've just heard is a demonstration of thought leadership from a thought leader. So you've created a new space in the market for thought leadership, which didn't exist before. It's certainly not in the way you've articulated it. I'm, I'm yeah. equally, equally confident the way you're going around it will, about it will be different as well. So question number two, five and a half minutes left, what's the problem you solve? Yeah, the problem that we solve for most of our clients is how do you scale and leverage either for, for impact or to increase the velocity of the monetization and the reach, meaning how do you move from a practice where you need to be in the room, in the Zoom, to doing things with your clients to get paid, to not being in that situation where the, the thought leadership the intellectual property is really an asset that is out in the market in multiple modalities yielding returns for you. Brilliant, brilliant, utopia. So question number three, what are the typical symptoms that one of your clients would have experienced before you work with them? That kind of gives people, our listeners, a heads up. Yeah, going, so, so I, it I could be more at this. I mean, it's kind of a continuum. So on one end of the spectrum, it could be, hey, I've been at this for a while and I'm doing well, but dot, dot, dot. Right. It's not growing. It's not moving. Right. You know, for example, on the speaking side, I believe there are only two types of speakers in the world. One group wants to speak more and another group that wants to speak less. There's never the Goldilocks piece. So, you know, it's they haven't reached the scale that they'd like to reach. So the symptoms, you know, it could be that they've tried, or it's just an inkling, or they've tried things and it hasn't worked out well for them. I'm guessing one of the biggest symptoms is that they're, they're doing a bunch of stuff, but, you know, they're hearing crickets. There's not a lot coming back from the marketplace. It seems to be organic or, you know, responsive to what they've put out there. It's Well, they, they, they tend to come to us with, 
cacophony of tactics looking for a strategy. I see. <laughs> cacophony of tactics looking for a strategy. Excellent. All right. So a little bit all over the place, maybe. So, I mean, the smart people, they want to grow, they want to scale. Question four, and we've got three and a half minutes left. What are some of the common mistakes that people make when they're trying to get into thought leadership? Well, I, th I think there's a lot. I think it's not being self-aware or honest enough about what they're great at and what they're not. So if you were to look at the attributes of some world-class thought leaders and jot those down, great thinkers, great writers, great communicators, great connectors, and then make a list of what are great, you know, what is someone that is equally talented in the sales, marketing, business development side of that, and compare those two lists, there's very, 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 very few traits that are on both sides of that list, maybe some communication skills and things of that nature. So that's number one. Number, number two is, do they even like that? Right. Do they even like the sales, the marketing, the distribution? Right. So, right. Because yep. the things we like, we do more often get better at. Okay. Exactly. So, so really, really focusing on the things that you're exceptionally good at is going to be a key. Question number six, two and a half minutes left, plenty of time. One valuable free resource that we could direct people to, a website they can go to get more information on how to become a true global thought leader. Yeah, so they can go to our website at thoughtleadershipleverage.com, and then we've got a landing page that we'll put in the notes here if they want to take a bit of a quiz that gives them a sense of where they are and what their strengths are and some of their weaknesses are. Excellent. So, folks, it's thoughtleadershipleverage.com. On that page, you'll find the quiz. There will be a link below the video here. You'll see there's also a podcast you can sign up for as well, which I'd, I'd highly recommend. It's very, very high quality. So question number seven, Peter, we've got two minutes left. What's the one question I should have asked you but didn't? Yeah, that's a great question. I think it could be where, you know, where are the opportunities might be one of the questions. So, you know, I always look at applying the same amount of creativity and thoughtfulness to the business side of a thought leader's business as they do to the thought leadership side. So, for example, you know, it's the proverbial, you know, one, one door opens, you know, one door closes and another door opens. Over the last, you know, whatever it's been now, 18 months with the pandemic, for example, the keynote speaking business, the traditional keynote speaking business where I pay you, I fly you in, you stand in front of a room of 300 people, it ends in a standing ovation, and you get paid a lot of money. That doesn't look the same, mm -mm. right? That doesn't look the same at all. Mm. And I think a lot of people have struggled with what do you do with that? And then the flip side in terms of the creativity there, a lot of people have taken advantage of that saying, wait a minute, actually, this is a different medium communicating via Zoom globally opens up the world to me. I can reach more people more often. I can do more things. I can do more breakout, but I can't present in the same manner. This, this a little bit, you know, when you're on stage, these are, these are experts at their craft and they know they have to be bigger than life. And they know, you know, if they do those things in a box, that's three inches by three inches on a screen, you know, people are going to be like, whoa, back up and be decaffeinated. So people are not so much only looking for content in this market. They're looking for content wrapped in community. And I think that's a big deal, right? So I want to be with people that are not identical to me, but like-minded. So if I'm following a speaker, I want to connect with other folks that are passionate about resilience or leadership or innovation, whatever that piece is. And how do you sort of weave that into your business models? So it's an interesting question. Perfect. And 10 seconds to spare. Peter Vinick, incredibly insightful, very articulate. Lots of gems in there, folks. Go to thoughtleadershipleverage.com. There is a quiz on there. There is a podcast in there. Go get it. Peter Vinick, thanks so much for your time. My pleasure. Thank you. 
Thanks for checking out our Marketing the Invisible podcast. If you like what we're doing here, please head over to iTunes to subscribe, rate us, and leave us a review. It's very much appreciated. And if you want to generate five fresh leads in just five hours, then check out www.5hourchallenge.com.